You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We're uh, in a series entitled Main Things, and uh, main things to keep main thing, main thing. We're unpacking, so to speak, the Meadowbrook Mandate. It's a little booklet that we have uh, based on some things the, the Lord has impressed upon what our mandate is. And uh, that book is available to you. It's free. And uh, we have them. I'd love to have one in at least every home, okay? So that, and, and read it, too, okay? And we also have a podcast of it. But it's important to know kind of what that's around. So what, what we're doing is we're kind of impacting that. We have seen that, first of all, it has to do with the Lord. The Lord. And concerning the Lord, that he would be high and lifted up, Okay? That he is exalted in this place. And secondly, it has to do with the church. The church. And then today we're going to move on and look at the world. And uh, we'll look at a few things here in just a moment. Let me just kind of stack this up for you right. See, the Lord, the church is the Lord's body. This is the body of Christ. And so what he does, he ministers to his body. So he ministers to his body so that he can minister through his body. He ministers to his body so that he can minister through his body. And the church is us individually, the church is us corporately, the church is us locally, the church is universal, the church is also across the street. It's believers, okay? It's, it's, it's believers. Now, I, I've given you this quote the last couple of weeks, but it just says it so well. When have we forgotten that the church doesn't exist for us? We are the church and we exist for the world, It just says it perfectly. And some people say, no, no, Jesus just ministered to us. And then Jesus, you take care of the world. But you've got to understand we are the body of Christ and his mission is our mission. And what he's about, we need to be about. And here's the bottom line. I believe everybody is going to spend forever somewhere. Think about that. Everybody is going to spend forever Somewhere, there's only two places. And I suggest you make your reservations. And what this is all about, and I don't want you to think about it, people that you don't even like are going to spend forever somewhere. People you ignore are going to spend forever somewhere. People that you love. People that are in your life every day that you just think, well, they seem happy. You know, everybody is going to spend forever somewhere. And and we've got to take that serious. So Jesus told us, the church, to go into the world. Now, we're to be in the world, but we're not of the world. We're on, we're on a mission. He sent us on this mission to go into all the world. And the first century church, you know, in the book of Acts, they did not leave their world like they found it. Y'all, y'all need to perk up from, from my, from my likings here. They, they did not leave the world like they found it. Acts 17, six, it says that they had turned the world upside down. More accurately means this. They turned it right side up. 
Because at that point, there wasn't light. At that point, there wasn't the life of God. There wasn't, there wasn't the help of the Holy Spirit. There weren't those things. And so people were living upside down. And once a resurrected Jesus came on the scene, you know, and that power was released and the church was birthed. Those first, first century Christians, those believers, that church, the body of Christ entering out into the world, they did not leave their world the same. And right now, the largest affinity group on the planet is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is too sleepy and too quiet. On our watch, there's such crud going on in the world on our watch because we don't pray, because we don't speak, because we don't share, because we don't shine, because we're not clear about who we are. There are more human slaves on the planet than ever in the history of the world. Human trafficking to harvest their organs for the sex trade on our watch. And it's time that we change our world. And we got we got dysfunction and human litter, so to speak, just all over our, our neighborhoods, our community, our world. And the body of Christ is strong if we know who we are and what God wants to do through us. And I don't think we can, I don't think we can silently let people around us with this in mind again, hear me, everybody's going to spend somewhere for, uh, spend forever somewhere. On our watch, we've got a job to do. I say we turn the world upside down. I say we turn the world upside down. Amen. And we don't do it the same way other groups do. We don't have to throw rocks. We don't have to hold signs. There's a helper that's within us and there's things that we can do. And just our sheer number. Dear Lord, if you just spoke up, if you just prayed, if you just voted, if you just gave, if you just opened your mouth and shared with somebody, just the sheer numbers of believers in this world, it would be incredible. Amen. Now, as far as the Lord, we are to exalt him. Now, follow, follow me here because it's just going to make it memorable. We are to exalt the Lord. Everybody say exalt the Lord. And then we are to edify the church. Say edify the church. And the word edify means to build up, to strengthen. And then the world, we are to evangelize. Everybody say evangelize. Okay, okay. I can, I can feel it. I can smell it. I can hear it. We don't fully know what that word is, or we've been exposed to it in such a way that not sure that we really like that. But this is what we are to do. We are to evangelize. When you evangelize, listen, you don't have to turn red and, and scream on a street corner. You don't stand on the lunch table in the break room at work. God will not move you to some far off place, the other side of the world. 
You know, unless you've kind of surrendered to him, God, I'll go where you want me to go. And then you're not afraid to, you're not afraid to do that. Some people, I'm afraid if I could submit myself to God, he's going to send me to the deepest, darkest parts of whatever. But when we evangelize, to evangelize means that you have an excitement, you have a zeal, you have a passion about something. Now, there are in the world today, this term has almost been taken out of the hands of the church and is now a secular corporate term. Corporations, for about the last 10 years, have had a number of corporations, and you can look into their structure, have what is called a a corporate evangelist. A corporate evangelist. Some of them are very obvious. 15-minute phone call could save you 40%. 40% or more on your car insurance. And we got a little green lizard. Come on. What is he? Somebody else said a gecko. He's an evangelist. Steve jobs for Apple. What is he? He gets up and preaches their product. He's excited about where they're going and, 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 the, the idea now is no longer to make the sale, to sell somebody something. The idea now is to convert them, convert them to a brand. We don't want to just make the sale. We want to make the customer. It's a whole new mindset and it, it's taking on. And those that are successful have that mindset. We're not just trying to wheel and deal and make a sale. We're trying to convert you and make you a customer. The other thing is this, is they're not out to just make a quota. They're out to change the world. I mean, these technology firms over the last few years have changed the way we do everything. And there are companies now that will search out people and find them and say, we want you to come be our corporate evangelist. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It has to do with somebody being excited about their product or their service. And just bold enough to go talk about it with some enthusiasm. Not sales, but evangelism. And when we talk about evangelizing the world, a lot of you would say, well, aren't evangelists supposed to do that? Isn't that their job? Second Timothy 4, 6, Paul said this, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Here's a sad survey from about three years ago. 95% of Christians have never led another person to Jesus. 95% of Christians have never led another person to Jesus. And I understand sometimes there's fear and trepidation and how do I go about this and what do I say and this and this and this. And and we'll be helping you to do that, but you're actually going to see it is so much easier than you ever thought. It's the devil and his little clunky monkeys that are trying to make you think, think in different ways. And I'm telling you, this should just be a natural thing and it's going to be. Thank you, Lord. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said this. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. How many of you are, how many of you fish? He either really loves it or he just hooked himself. I don't, I don't know. Whoa. Uh, how many of you have ever been fishing? 
Okay. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say fish? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, when you go fishing, you're not trolling along looking for a, a, a bleached out, bloated, dead floater. Y'all with me? Look what we got. And, and bring that in. You know, some good cooking tonight. It's like water roadkill. You know, no. What do, you, what do you have? You're even a little leery of a fish that's doing like this, you know, just, just, just before you get it. Okay, you're a little worried about that one, right? What we're after is some live fish. Literally, when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, literally, he's saying, I will make you catch men alive. I will, ca- I will make you catch men alive. That's literally what he's saying. Now, bear that in mind. And in 2 Timothy 2.26, it says this. And that they may come to their senses. This is speaking of unbelievers, people that are away from God. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive to do his will. That Greek verb there, it's only one other place in the New Testament for taken captive actually means like, it means this, catch alive, to catch alive. So here's what these two verses point out to us. You ready for this? We can catch men alive or the devil will catch men alive. Remember what I told you when I started here? Everybody's going to spend forever somewhere. So either we catch men alive or the devil will catch men alive. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And I'm speaking for him today. He's wanting to make you fishers of men. To catch men alive. Because if we don't catch men alive, I'll tell you what, the devil will catch men alive. Are you with me so far? His mission is our mission. And his mission is to seek and to save. It's to seek and save those that are away from God. Those that are far from God. And that's his target. Hear me, that's his target. He's not put off by the fact that people sin. That people are confused, that people will do wrong things. He's not put off by that. He understands that's because they're far from God. That's because they're lost. It's because they're away. It's because they can't see. His target was them. And lest we get snooty about it, as Paul said, and such were some of you. How many of you know it was us? Oh, y'all need to perk up this morning. How many of you know it was us? It was us. His, his target is not the already convinced. His target, the doctor did not come for the well. He came for the sick. He came for the injured. He came for the hurt. That's who he came for. That's, that's who we as his body are to go for. His target is not the already convinced. The note takers, the ameners. And please, if you're a note taker and amener, keep that up. And the rest of you need to be note takers and ameners. Oh. But that's not his target. Matter of fact, Jesus got more irritated with the religious people than he ever did with people that were doing wrong, sinning, 
and loss. You know why? Because he understood. He understood why. But if you'll read carefully what he said to the religious, let me just paraphrase. Where are you guys coming from? How do you even get this? So smug in their religion. Let it not be us. I said, let it not be us. And I'll tell you when that happens. When that happens is when you think that the Lord came for the church and the church exists for the church. And we just hang out. We become better Christians. And let's see how spiritual we can get. Let's see what kind of holy buzz we can have when we're all together. I'll tell you what. He does want us to have a good time together. He does want us to be strengthened together. He does want us to become better Christians. But the end in mind that he has is that we, the church, his body would reach into the world. His mission is our mission. If you're with me so far, say something, do something. All right. And Matthew 5, 13 in the message Bible, Jesus said this. You ready for this? This helps me so much. He said, let me tell you why you're here. Let me tell you why you're here. How many of you like to know your purpose? Let me tell you why you're here. Let me read this passage to you. First of all, from the new living, and then I'll read it from the message. So keep in mind, he said, let me tell you why you're here. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Listen to it in the message. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Everybody say shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to be open up, to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. So let's look at this real quick. And, and, uh, just side note, we're playing with a little bit of technology. I'm probably going to try it out on Wednesday night instead of just pen and paper. We're, we're going to try a little technology thing. And it's not blocks with letters either. Okay. All right. So Jesus said, let me tell you why you're here. Why are we here? To be salt and light. Okay. So let's look at this to be salt. Everybody say salt and light. Everybody say light. That's why you're here. And you say, well, what really does that mean? Well, let's talk about salt for a moment. How many of y'all put some salt on your food? How many probably put too much on it? Okay. That's either a sign that you got a problem or you're eating really bad food. Okay. Okay. And some restaurants, you go to a really, really, really nice restaurant. They don't put salt and pepper on the table. Because if you don't like the way the chef prepared it, you probably shouldn't be in there. Or if you go to a really, really, really nice steakhouse, uh, you don't ask for ketchup or A1. Okay. All right. But salt... Salt flavors, 
Salt brings out flavors. Salt preserves. It preserves something good from that which would cause it decay. But I really want to go to this point too. Salt also can create thirst. And if you and I are salt, and I'll tell you what that means in a moment. If you and I are salt, truly salt in this earth, you know what will happen? It will create a thirst in others. I know. It will create, stay with me. It will create a thirst in others for right and for righteousness and for truth and for peace and for God. So let me put it to you this way. Salt is something that you are. It's something that you, you just are. So let me put it this way. You're to be salt. It's just something that you are. If you and I would just sell out, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be committed and we just have to be genuine and just every day seek after God and say, God, be God in my life and somehow work through my life. I promise you just live in your life and going through your life from your neighborhood to your job, to the places that you shop, to the places that you play. You just be salt. They'll start to see there's such a difference. There's such a difference and you don't have to put on, you don't have to, you know, come in with your Christian shirt and Christian hat and put Christian things everywhere. You can just be salt. My wife and I have had waiters and waitresses sometimes, you know, just maybe we've gotten a late lunch or something. We go in and the place is kind of empty and they'll come and just sit down and said, you know, we love being around people like you. And they didn't know necessarily. And, and some of those people don't know that we're a pastor, we're Christians or anything else. But we're kind to them and we're peaceful with them and we're not demanding with them. And, you know, and if you'll just be salt, everybody say be salt. If you just be salt, you know what you do? You'll bring out those God flavors in the world. And, and this is the goal. You're going to make people thirsty. And they're going to want what you have. Just being around you makes them want right and truth and God. And second of all, light. And light actually is let your good deeds shine. This is, if this is being, this is doing. If God is good, I think his children should be good. If God does good things, I think his children should be good. It should be doing good things. Listen to me, this is my personal conviction. I believe you should be the best workers on your job. I think you're the one who should put your back into it. You're the one that should have the good attitude. You're the one who, has, who should be can do and pleasant and put other people at ease and show up on time and not waiting for the clock. Click, 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 I'm gone. And as you leave, you got some of their stuff in your pockets. And we should work in such a way and we should be this way with our neighbors and do stuff. We, we've got a, a, a house down, down on the corner and we've got some new neighbors come in. And I, I've said, thank you, God, because I want a, a fresh chance with a neighbor. <laughs> no, we got great neighbors and, and pray more and more. How can we touch? How can we help? How can we be light to them? And they're redoing some things in the house. And I'm, I've already stopped and met him in a, in a few weeks. I just want to go and welcome him and take him something, you know, and just, just shine. He's been doing a lot of heavy yard work lately. And I just didn't want to shine that much. But uh, <laughs> I joke, but I confess. 
Well, what light does, it illuminates, it draws attention to something. And it also does this. It helps people to see. And so you've got to do something for people to see. And when they see your good works and not doing good works for good works sake, but doing good works because you're the body of Christ and because he's in you and because he prompts you and because he compels you that you do right things and you do them right. and You do them because they're right and you do them right on time and you're good to people and you do good things and you help out and people are glad to see you coming. And hopefully after a while, we'll get back to the way it used to be that they say, you know what? They're a Christian. I can tell. And at this point, you haven't said a word. You haven't set up with your bullhorn. Now listen to this. I'm a Christian. And if you're not, you're going to hell. Some of you already know that for the rest of you. I'm telling you. Some of you look like you're going to hell today. Hey, I was on the campus of Florida State. It's a school up north. And in the student, uh, I didn't. There's this courtyard kind of thing you cut through there, and these guys would just be sitting there just pre- preaching the gospel. I was a sold out believer at the time, too. And I promise you, I wanted to put a pillowcase over their head and drag them off somewhere. Because they were not doing the kingdom of God any favors, they were not representing my Father God. Can you imagine a heavenly father? Look what you did wrong. Look what you did wrong. Look what you did wrong. I'm not even sure I like you. And that was the message coming across. But I'm telling you what, if you will just be salt and if you'll do light, Psalm 34 verse 8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Watch this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see. Y'all looking with me? Oh, taste and see, come on, say it with me. Oh, taste and see. Some of y'all just woke up, thought we were saying tasty freeze. (laughs) Listen, if you will be salt and if you will be light, they will be able to taste and they will be able to see that the Lord is good. And that's what they're looking for. I got one other one for you. Salt, light. And for those of you that are real health, honey. But no saccharine, please. We don't need any saccharine Christians. Well, praise the Lord. Shut up. What do I mean by sugar? That you be sweet. That you would just be kind. I just don't get it. If God's been good to you, if you're not going to hell, just that one. If you made it through the night, if he's given you any peace, any joy, any relief, any help, assigned angels to you, goodness and mercy are following you, his his everlasting arms are under you. His, his hand is on you. He's, his favor's about you. He's way ahead of you. He never leaves you. You got something to be happy about. And I think it should show up. 
This is your billboard. This is, we're open for business or we're closed for repairs. And I, too, I know too many believers are closed for repairs. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's like, ah. But be sweet. If you eat lunch at home today, you be sweet and kind and grateful. And if you go out to eat, now home people are already used to you. But if you go out to eat today, you be sweet and be kind and be generous. And don't be bossy. Don't be demanding. I thought I ordered this. Yeah, I got a little game on my phone called Angry Birds. How many of y'all play this? I'm the champ. Angry Birds, yes. Angry Christians, no way. No way. And for those of you that are angry, I'm teaching now on Wednesday night a three-part thing in real life on anger. Be there. Aloha. All right. We can train you, we can develop programs and we're doing all those things. But listen to me as I just kind of wrap this up. It all begins with a burden. You can't evangelize the world just with programs. There have been some incredible programs over the last four or five decades. Incredible. That have been developed. But you know, if you don't have a burden, forget it. If you don't believe in your product, if if you don't, if you don't really have some kind of passion and compassion, it starts with a burden. You need to make some effort toward empathy, trying to understand some folks. And by all means, I implore you, abandon your bench as a judge. And stop judging people. Did you know Jesus was not put off by people's sins? He knew why they did. He came to save them from their sins. He was not repelled and repulsed. And yet I find that much of the body of Christ just kind of positions himself. Look at them. Look what they did. Look how they look. Look at the way they're acting. Look at all. And you know what? No wonder. Because they just can't see. They just can't see. I'm going to tell you four things about every person that doesn't have a savior. Number one, they feel empty. Number two, they feel lonely. Number three, they feel a sense of guilt. And number four, they, they have a sense of fear. And when you don't have a savior, you're going to be empty. You're going to be lonely. You're going to be guilty and you're going to be afraid. And I don't care what you have and how many friends you surround yourself with. And you can party every night. But at some point your head hits the pillow and you're all alone. Some point you're in the shower. Some point you're walking somewhere and you're fully aware. I'm empty. I'm lonely. I'm guilty. That's why the world keeps trying to say, no, it's not sin. It's not wrong. Eternity's written on the hearts of all men. And they feel afraid. And listen to me. I'm going to say them again. The fact that your friends and my friends and your family and my family and your coworkers and your neighbors and my coworkers and neighbors, well, not my coworkers, are empty and lonely and guilty and afraid. Listen to me. That should not be okay with us. 
That should not be okay with us. Let me read you a verse real quick and then we're going to wrap this up. Pastor John, you can come. Matthew 9, verse 36 through 38. And when he looked out over the crowds, look at this, his heart broke. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. He didn't put Jesus off because he saw it more as a symptom than anything else. And it was not okay with him that they were confused and aimless. There's a song that's playing on Christian radio right now. It's by Brandon Heath. It's called Give Me Your Eyes. Part of the chorus says, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted. The ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the once forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. Yeah. If you know, if you know the song. Now listen, it begins with a burden. And if you have a burden, you're halfway there. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know every answer. You just have to be authentic. You just have to care. You just have to be committed. And I'm going to lay this out for you and wrap this up. And then we're going to stop this morning. Our world has changed. Our culture has changed. Things that worked just 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that were so effective in evangelism don't work. Because now our world has so changed that everybody wants to know it's safe. And so the number one, this is proven statistically over and over and over and over. And wherever you see evangelism happening, this is predominantly the way it happens. Now, first of all, let me say this. God can do anything. God can use anybody. And you and I need to be ready that on one day he may say, do this and go there. Because there may be some person that you don't know that said, God, if you're really real, then send somebody with a red shirt. And they're going to walk up to me and go, hey. And you might be getting ready and don't even know it. Just the unconscious leading of God. And you put on a red shirt and you see a guy along the way and you're, hey. And he'll go, could I talk to you? Because I just had this amazing prayer. That's one way. But you know what? That's not the most effective way. Here's the number one most effective way. It's working like crazy all over the place. And it's called this relational, invitational evangelism. Relational, invitational evangelism. You don't have to cold call. You don't have to go knock on a door. You don't have to, you know, set up all all kinds of other things. You don't have to get a bullhorn. This is people that you already know to some degree. You have some relationship with, and this is what you do. This is all you have to do. You have to be salt and you have to be light and you have to be sugar. And at some point, at some point, there's going to be a right time that either God is going to use you To share right with them. Or God's going to set it up. And you're going to know it. And you can invite them. To a life giving church. And it's phenomenal what God is doing in these days. When have we forgotten that the church doesn't exist for us? We are the church. We exist for the world. His mission. Is our mission. And either we catch men. Alive. Or the devil will catch men alive. 
Bearing in mind that everybody's going to spend forever somewhere. I've prayed and done this. I'm going to ask you to do it that before the day is out, that you would bend your knee on behalf of somebody that you would pray for. Ask God to bring somebody into your mind and that you would bend your knee before a holy God who knows how to direct traffic and pray for them and pray this prayer. God, I know that you so love the world. Please break my heart so that I too would so love the world. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.